Well, I want to start with your both of your professional backgrounds and career. Um, so let me start with Sam. Sam, can you kind of like take me through your journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom, now she is a K through 12 uh, musical director for a private school in Carrollton. She, when I was younger, was the musical director at Jasper for a few years. So my first interaction to theater was going and sitting on the piano bench in my mom's rehearsals when she did young audience performances and schools and things like that. So I always say I've pretty much been doing it my entire life. And I ended up going to theater, uh, going to school for theater in college and really fell in love with Shakespeare because I was in Nashville for school and the Nashville Shakespeare Festival came and they had an apprenticeship company, which they still do. And it's amazing. And they auditioned students out of the couple universities in Nashville. And I ended up getting cast in their summer season of As You Like It. And I was Phoebe, which was my first ever Shakespeare role, which was so much fun because we did it in the middle of Centennial Park, which is absolutely amazing. And still one of my favorite theater experiences ever. And then I got cast in their winter season too. And that just kind of solidified a passion for Shakespeare in me um, because it's challenging and I like that. So I decided that I liked being picky and really liked doing just children's theater and Shakespeare. And I was very happy to never have to do anything else. So I also have a career on the side outside of the theater world in business and just finished my MBA, which is really exciting. And during the pandemic, decided to start uh, Plague Mask Players as a creative outlet. And we, I'm sure we'll delve more into that. So I won't go into too much of that now, but that's kind of my background. And I've largely just performed Shakespeare professionally uh, since I graduated because I like to be picky and I really like Shakespeare. So I was like, I'll just do that. (laughs) That's good. That's a good picker because children's theater can be really fun and really rewarding, but also like if you're performing for kids, they are some harsh critics. (laughs) Absolutely. They're like, like, I'm not here to give you a courtesy laugh because that was not funny. And you're like, okay, I'll do better. No. Well, and what's fun too is because my mom is that musical director, I've helped out with her after school classes since I was in them. So I've directed and like co-directed probably like 30 children's musicals in my life. So I love working in children's theater. I've done the sets, the costumes, pretty much as any good theater person has, I've touched on all the things in theater, but I just love working with kids. They're absolutely hilarious. I actually went to see her show last night. They just did Godspell. So. Oh, cool. um, Yeah. That's been fun. Michael, tell us about you and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I kind of came to theater through the music world. Like all growing up, I was in choirs and did all of that throughout elementary school and through the church and middle school and high school and all that stuff. And uh, I would do some theater like church would have a musical or did the musicals in high school when they would bring all the choir kids over to do that and kind of did some stuff through that. But I went to Baylor University to study music. And while I was there, uh, I got involved in uh, some different organizations, including a musical theater ensemble and did that and loved it. When I did that, I was like, okay, let me get better at doing this specifically. There was a lot of dance and other things involved. So I started taking some dance classes through the theater department. And as I was doing that, I was like, oh, this is really fun too. And I enjoy all of this and being able to do, you know, the kind of musical theater things that were happening in class and then the ensemble and all of that. And so I was like, okay, how do I 
become a part of this? How do I at least become a part of doing the musicals and all of that? And I remember my dance instructor, I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I be a part of this? And she's like, well, it's really just for majors and all of that. And she eventually said, Michael, why don't you just double major? And so I went, oh, okay, yeah, why not? You know, that's completely easy and normal thing to do. So I became a double major in both theater arts and music. And junior and senior years at Baylor really was focused towards the theater side because I had gotten most of my music classes out of the way. And as I started delving into the theater side, I found that, oh, I love all of this. Oh, this is really where I'm supposed to be and doing this type of thing. I've always loved performing with music and with choir and things like that, but really being able to like dig into characters and play um, all of those types of things is really where I like fell in love hard uh, and fast with the theater and figured out that it wasn't just musical theater for me. It was being able to do classics, being able to do Shakespeare, being able to do contemporary and straight plays and, and kind of comedy, drama, everything around there. So I graduated from Baylor in 2012 and then moved up to Dallas to start building a career. Uh, my idea was that I was going to be here for uh, a few years and kind of build up my uh, resume uh, and then move to New York. I was here for about five years and did lots of things. I did several shows with uh, Shakespeare Dallas, did readings with them. My first thing with them was A Midsummer Night's Dream in 2013, which was super fun. I got to play Mechanical and one of the fairies. Did that and then actually showed that Sam and I met on, which is also where I met my wife, Shay, uh, was doing uh, Twelfth Night with Bare Bones Shakespeare. So we did that. And I remember during that process, finding out that Shay was also planning to move to New York uh, in about a year. And that was nice because it was like, oh, she's really cute. And uh, I would love to, to do something, but I'm going to move and she's going to move too. So, so that all worked out very, very well for me. And Shay and I moved up to New York in 2017 and we got married uh, and we were up in New York for about three years, but we didn't really do much of anything besides auditioning. It's, it's a grind and you're just auditioning and going all the time and doing that without a lot of projects. So after the pandemic hit and Plague Mass Players came along and we finally, it felt like after a few years, really got to be creative again and get to use those skills in more than just the little two minute increments that you get in an audition room. And it was, uh, it was super exciting. And then we've, uh, we've moved back to Dallas now and uh, are excited to be here again and be close to family. I did the same thing. Like me and Aaron were in LA area for three years and it's hard because you have this like very expensive degree and you're taking very expensive classes after you get your expensive degree <laughs> just to like go in and like pretend to be a corn dog for a commercial and you're like <laughs> and then like not get it you're like oh, oh it stinks <laughs> but yeah but we did like go visit New York to do a couple of auditions and see if like we wanted to take that route and I mean Good for you guys for doing three years because I was like, nope, this is a great place to visit. Well, something cool that sounds like probably is for all three of us is I think all three of us met our spouses through the arts. So that's a really cool connection that all three of us have. I didn't even think about that until just now. It's, I mean, you don't get much of an opportunity to meet anyone else. So. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Let's dive in more to the origins of Plague Mask Players. Was it truly birthed? 
from the plate or was it kind of the sprinkling idea a little bit before that? So that was me. Um, (laughs) Around the time that quarantine hit was about a month away from getting married. And we had rescheduled the wedding five times to try to make it work. We tried to run away and elope and the island shut down 12 hours before our flights are supposed to leave. We tried to elope in Dallas and then Dallas shut down. So we were about five tries into getting married and it was a very low point. As you can imagine, not only are we in a pandemic, but I'm having to now cancel and reschedule a very expensive wedding. And so I was really struggling. And I knew that there were a lot of people that were really struggling because I was like, I got my wedding ripped away. At least I still have work. I'm looking at all of my friends on social media and the arts and they've their work and their life and their passion has just been like completely ripped away from them because art and theater especially is where we go to find human connection, not only with the audience, but with each other. And we don't have that. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I've been in grad school for two years. I haven't been able to do any theater whatsoever. I miss Shakespeare. What if I just start like a book club, basically, like we'll read aloud. I'll start a Facebook group. I'm sure that there are other artists out there who are bored right now and stuck at home yeah. and want who, something to do. Just read so through the canon I, or something. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was like, it's no pressure. There's no rules. Like, let's just do some read throughs. And I think within the first two months, it grew to like over 200 people. And we only let in professional performers, 18 plus, and it grew like immediately. And I reached out to, I was like, I need help. (laughs) And Shay and Michael and then Courtney Mensel, who also does work for us, um, are the wonderful board that we have created. And we all do this together now. Um, But it really was just birthed out of wanting to create, we say it's wanting to create a human connection in a digital world. So that was 100% our origin story, which is why the plague (laughs) mask player's name is very appropriate for us. Well, I was able to sneak my way into one of the reading. I've observed like as an audience member and then right before we recorded this, I was like, well, I want to get a perspective on participation. And so I was happy to be able to do that. But uh, Michael, can you talk to us about like how you guys pick a show, get it cast and like get it up and going? So in our very first season. It's amazing. We're about a year into this and we're in the middle of what we call our third season right now. Um, we'll, we've done 24 Shakespeare shows at this point in time. So in our first season, it was kind of a week by week or like every couple of weeks, like, I don't know, what do y'all want to do next? And we would kind of plan that out. But for, uh, our kind of winter, fall season and this spring season, we've, had meetings and um, kind of sat down and kind of purposefully planned like which parts of the canon do we want to go to and trying to get a good balance between histories and tragedies and comedies and some of the romances and kind of mix those up so that people are getting different flavors of Shakespeare every couple of weeks. And then this season, we also added a couple of non-Shakespeare shows into our mix. We did Oscar Wilde's An Ideal Husband. And later on the season, we're going to do Goldoni's The Servant of Two Masters. So we kind of just, each one of us on the board will kind of bring of like, oh, here's a thing that I've really been wanting to do or wanting to see, or I don't know this show at all, but I've heard that it's fun or I'm just curious about it. And we'll try to put that in and trying to mix in, you know, crowd favorites like Macbeth and King Lear with some lesser known, lesser done works like All's Well or King John or those types of things and kind of just get a mix to be able to get into various aspects of the canon. And then once we've decided on the show, um, 
Shay and myself and a couple of people who are helping us, uh, Robbie Dolnig and Will Walker Montgomery, will take a look at the scripts and we'll start making cuts because we're trying to condense this into about two and a half hours on Zoom so it doesn't get you know too long for people in the kind of digital space and do that. And we'll figure out kind of how many rules there are. We're trying to make sure that people aren't just coming in for like one or two lines, but everybody gets a decent sized chunk, whether that's through roles big enough or through a bunch of doubling and people playing two, three, four roles as needed. And then we'll figure out how many people that is. And we'll put up a post on our, our Facebook group for all of our, our company members. And it will be like, okay, so at 7.30 tonight, we will have this many spots that are available. Please uh, click the like button or now we do. Please comment below so we can keep track of it better. And the first number of people uh, who do that, they get to be part of the show. It's no you know, preferential casting or anything like that. We're going just, all right, first come, first serve. You come in, you like it, you get to be in the show. And then we cast using a lot of different methods. We try to shake it up as much as possible. There will be times where we have specific people cast. Last season, we had each member of the board cast a different show. This season, we had some MVPs from our season two. They cast Henry V. So we'll do that. We've also done a random name generator. Sam will just plug in names into this random name generator. And we'll go like, okay, who's playing Pericles? And it'll be like, Jeremiah is. And we're like, okay. And you just kind of go down the list. And uh, that's a fun way to shake it up. And then we're also this season, we're about to do a new one for All's Well called Domino Casting, which is where the first person will cast whoever of the number of people that liked sign up for the cast. They will cast the next person, whatever role. That person who is just cast cast the next person when whatever role is still available. And we kind of go through until. Yeah. So we kind of really love to shake it up and give people lots of different opportunities and ways to participate and really try to make sure that people uh, get kind of the full experience uh, with what they're doing. Yeah. I love that. So I went to the Facebook group to claim a spot in the show and it was 729. And I was like, okay, Aaron said that this is really cutthroat and you got to be quick with the click. Um, so I like hit, you know, hit like, like right at 730 and re- it refreshed and it was like 48 people have liked this. I was like, oh my God. I was like, okay, well, we'll see. Um, but thankfully I, I got in, but yeah, it, it has grown in such popularity that there's plenty of people going yeah, I'll sit here until the page refreshes and and make sure to get a spot. (laughs) Yeah. It used to be like probably within the first 20 minutes, parts would go occasionally if we did like a rarely done work, we'd have to maybe ask a couple people just because people are busy. They didn't want to devote time to it. And now our spots are going in less than 30 seconds, which is crazy. That's so funny. It's like a, it's like a big ticket, like, like a, what am I trying to say? Like an American Airlines you say like it's like concert the hunger. ticket. Like ugh. it's hunger, hunger games. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to talk about the hype team that exists in the show as well. It's like another character is the chat box with people just going, yes, you are amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm literally dying. Yes, queen. That was really joyful. And that's kind of like what I took away from the whole experience as, you know, like, yeah, we could all, you know, we could all 
get groups of 10 or 15 friends and read Shakespeare together. But it really felt to me like people were coming together and getting so excited about this for the community. So what I'm just going to keep calling it the hype team. Was the hype team something that happened organically or something you guys worked to curate? Oh, a hundred percent organic. From the beginning, we always said the chat exists. We want you to communicate with each other as long as it stays relevant to what we're doing and positive. People took that and ran with it and turned it into the hype team, as you're calling it, which is amazing and so much fun for us. We thought it was probably just going to be like a technical tool more than anything of like my internet went out. But one thing we're the most proud of, honestly, and what really makes us who we are and what we hear as feedback constantly from members is the community that we have built with this. And that's just an added fun element that the community has created for itself to help encourage each other. Because what we're really passionate about is giving not only that human connection and the chance to do your art form, but also to it's a growth opportunity. We ignore race, gender, age, everything when we're casting because we use the random generators. So we had, I got to play Iago. Our Henry V was uh, played by Robin, a woman who did a wonderful job with it. And so giving actors a chance to act outside of their type, which we don't care about, gives them so much opportunity to just go crazy and make creative choices and grow and learn. And we've seen incredible growth because we actually have two right now regularly performing college theater majors and their growth, Ben McElroy and Evan Pope has been insane to watch where they started and where they are now. So to have that hype community, to give people a chance to learn and grow has just really developed us into who we are and what we offer and what people love about us, which is so wonderful and rewarding for all of us every time we get a message. Yeah. I also like that there's I assume probably different levels of rehearsal going on. Like you might have, I mean, I know for me, I sat down once the day before and once like an hour before and just like said the lines out loud. But there's also people that seem to like really take the time to like carve through every line and every emotion. And so there was like different levels of, I want to say preparedness, but like in a, in a good way where it's like, yeah, this is just like a ragtag, you know, band of brothers to quote Henry five, just like reading together and uh, connecting in this very unique way, which was nice. Yeah. I think we've definitely seen too, a lot of people getting more amped up and more involved in like costumes and props and like zoom backgrounds and all these other things. Because after our uh, first season, we decided to do an award show called the Billies. This is something that uh, my wife Shay came up with. And so we, kind of delved into that and made that out and had a bunch of different categories for people and then created an award show and people were able to be nominated for these billies for um, best accent, best leading performance in a comedic role, best uh, pet cameo, best use of props, all of these different things. And we noticed that as soon as we had those awards and we went into our next season, that everybody started bringing it just more and more and more and more. We got a uh, huge makeup. Uh, Julie came for a Caliban in the Tempest and like full face makeup and like all of these different things and costumes. And that's kind of just perpetuated itself over and over again through the season that we have people just really, really spend the time and, and energy and get to put in their kind of creative output and all of that energy that's been bottled up so much during the pandemic and really just let it go wild and let it fly. 
So talk to me about technical difficulties, which are prone to happen in live theater. How are you guys dealing with those? We've been very fortunate to not have very many. We do tell people that in order to participate with us, you have to have a working video cam um, and some microphone, even if it's just like your computer or your iPhone, it doesn't have to be technical equipment or anything so that it's accessible. If your internet goes out at any time, we do have a couple people who are usually on the script and we just say, don't come back in until the next scene and we'll cover for you. It does happen. People's internet does go out. I've had it happen to me. Like it's normal, but we just tell them that we treat this like a real performance. We just keep going and we cover. And really other than the blizzard knocking out everyone's internet, which we actually didn't even have to reschedule for, but we talked to members to make sure they still could do it. We really have been very fortunate to not have technical difficulties. And if we do, we just cover it like you do in live theater and you move on. Yeah. I feel like Zoom also just as a software has gotten better in the last year. My laptop is 11 years old and I had like been at work all day that day and then did the reading and just halfway through my scene. And of course it's not like I was not in 80% of the show. So it wouldn't happen during the time that I'm not speaking. It happened in the, you know, small 20% that I am. It just turned off and was like, you're done. And Aaron just goes and passes me his laptop. And I was like, "Uh, okay. So it was like a disembodied voice for a lot of people probably, but I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, there's live theater. It came back for just just a quick moment. We want an authentic experience. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The anxiety was there. So it was very authentic. Yeah. The adrenaline (laughs) definitely gets running again. I'm like, oh yeah, it's been a little bit since being on stage because like just the act of like turning on the camera is like, okay, instant energy and like adrenaline and and ready to, to go. Yeah. Well, I love that you guys have created a community and created something for people to look forward to. And I really love the edge of, you know, all ages, all abilities, all cultural backgrounds don't really come into play when casting. So Let's talk about the year is 2023, just to be safe. <laughs> everyone's vaccinated. Everyone's doing group hugs. <laughs> we're going to concerts. <laughs> Where is Plague Mask Players at this point? Yeah, so we are currently working towards that right now. We've been having discussions since the middle of the summer about where we want to take this organization. And we want this to be a thing that includes live in-person performances and productions as well. We always will have this technological element to our shows. We always want to continue doing these types of readings over Zoom as, you know, a bi-weekly, a monthly reading series. But we want to get to participate and have this kind of in-person experience. The reason for the founding of this company was for us to be able to experience connection and get to share our art. And we think that being able to do that live and in person is the way to, you know, really kind of culminate that experience. So we are currently working towards that. Last week, we actually filed our application with the IRS to become a 501c3 organization. So we are uh, currently waiting to hear back from them. And then we are going to start fundraising. Once it is safe to do so, because we firmly believe in uh, taking care of our actors and supporting our artists and their health is an important part of that. 
about starting to produce uh, in-person shows as well. And so we'll be fundraising so that we can do costumes and sets and a rehearsal space and all of those types of things and being able to bring our community together in that way. And we also want to continue to to offer educational opportunities for performers. We've been very fortunate and offered a few workshops already, um, some coaching sessions, things like that on everything from accents to how to have a resume. (laughs) So one of our goals is to continue to find new ways to build a resource for actors. Because once you're out of school, if you're not really in like an expensive conservatory environment, there's not really training or growth opportunities for you. You kind of just have to go pay for expensive classes or get in a show. And so we, yeah, which is a problem. And so we want to find a solution to that. And so that's some other things that we're working on too, is how do we invest in our actors in our community and how do we help provide continued growth and fun, challenging new things for our players? Yeah. And when we're in the middle of those live productions, I mean, we want to continue the flavor that allowed us to be who we are. We want to continue doing these types of non-traditional casting. We want to continue to either completely disregard type or to subvert type in some way through the process and being able to give people the opportunity to grow and to take huge risks. We believe that when you take risks, when you come to it and just give 110% and figure out, like that's where the magic of theater happens, right? That's where the things that you didn't plan if you're a director, you didn't see coming and somebody just comes in with this amazing thing. It changes the show. It gives it life and magic in some ways. And we've seen that in our readings and want that to continue when we start moving into a more kind of structured rehearsal and director, you know, kind of process in the future. I love it. Well, Sam, can you tell me where people can find Plague Mask players to follow along with what you guys are up to? Absolutely. So the best place to go and find out more about us is our Instagram. It's Plague Mask Players. That's the title of it. And on there, you can find links to our YouTube page, which has full recordings for free of every production that we've done. So you can, we've had people use those for like educational tools, putting them into curriculums, thing like that. Or honestly, if you're just bored and you're like, I've never seen Pericles, I want to watch it. You can go and watch them on our YouTube page. And then on there too has links to our current productions that we're doing, how to get involved and lots of funny memes. So feel free to check us out on Instagram. It's fun to follow us there and find out more. And we'd love to have people. We take new members all the time. Our only requirements are that they are 18 plus and that they have some semblance of professional experience and we use that loosely. So hopefully we'll get plenty more people to come and join us. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys both so much. I am going to wrap it up and let you guys go. I hope you both have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank Thank you you. so much. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. 